This is At The Wood, where bartenders talk to other bartenders and industry friends about drinks, service, and anything else we talk about while sitting at the wood. Welcome back to At The Wood. First of all, I want to preface the number two by acknowledging uh, the, the theme song, Bartender Blues by Spacey who is also a bartender as well as a um, very uh, accomplished musician, music producer, and uh, rapper, singer. And you can check his uh, Instagram is at Space Cadet Beats. It's me, Seth Van Haver, the pride of Red Deer, along with uh, Eric Croswell and Matt Buck. Hello. Hello. Of Occam's Razor, formerly To The Lost, downtown Red Deer. Um, I thought it would be... A- Good conversation to talk to you guys about the transition from To The Lost to Occam's Razor, you know, for any bartender who might want to buy a bar one day and turn it into their own. It has been Occam's Razor since when? November 23rd was our first night of service. Okay. Oh, yeah, you've got to speak up. I love that. Okay, so we, we switch things around. We've got uh, Matt hovering over. We've got a, Matt's microphone in his mustache. And Eric's uh, uh, Eric and his laugh on the other side of the room, but uh, we're it's like we're learning. Yeah. We're slowly starting to figure this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is also early after a really busy Saturday night. Uh, you guys are just dead tired. So yeah. Wake up. Here we go. Let's, Here we go. Let's get, give the people what they came for. <laughs> Showtime. Okay. Anyways, so uh, November twenty third. Yeah, November twenty third was our first night of service. So um, you were both mad, the longest running or the, the longest employee into the lost history, and then Matt. Uh, yeah, I nailed that one. <laughs> Eric uh, also worked here, and uh, Sean uh, wanted out, so he sold it to you guys, yep. and you turned it into Occam's Razor. So I had a couple questions about that. Yeah. How long were you shut down for? Uh, almost a month. Uh, to the loss last day was October twenty sixth. And we opened November 23rd. It took us about a month. Um, but we, you know, aside from calling in help from friends and family, uh, we kind of were just, it was like a two-man wrecking crew, uh, unless it was, you know, we always had help from somebody. But it was kind of a lot of the detail work and the decision-making and the things that we were going through. is just Eric and I working at it. And, you know, we were blessed to have a lot of friends and family that came through and helped. But it was a pretty small crew getting stuff done on a daily basis. So... Uh, we're pretty stoked on how, how quickly we got it turned around. Oh, absolutely. I, we pretty well worked the whole month straight, didn't stop, and uh, yeah, no, everything turned out well. Everything worked out really well for us. Yeah. I've heard that if you're make, if you're building a bar from scratch, they say, take your uh, projected opening date and add on six months, because right. something always happens. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. What kind of, uh, like, it's, this is a different situation, because... Everything was in place, basically. You didn't have to right. build. You yeah. did some some minor renos and stuff. But what were some unforeseen uh, events that snags? Uh, one surprising one was um, painting took forever. And that was just because during the day, we were always getting called. We'd have to run to City Hall to do like permitting. And then AGLC would need us, so we'd have to run to the north end. And, oh, we got to make a Home Depot trip. So painting <laughs> took us Almost two weeks. You guys did this whole thing about yourself? Yeah. Well, we, well, had, we had help yeah, from a we lot Yeah, we had a friends. lot of people who came in. And that's the craziest thing. 
is that it took us probably two weeks to get the painting done and we had help from yeah. countless other people. But again, like Eric said, from nine to five every day, it was phone calls constantly, mm. whether it was, uh, you know, <laughs> everything, absolutely Everyone. everything. We had yep. to work with, yeah. So, uh, you know, you would try and get something done, but you would have seven, eight, nine interruptions to every five minute task you were trying to accomplish, right? It, it was, it was a lot and for two guys that are pretty much like we know what we're good at and that's making drinks yeah yeah, yeah you're not really uh, everything else it's oh it's well i mean eric eric is is far more handy than i am but i mean uh it it it, it definitely was a step outside of what we're used to doing it's certainly not our area of expertise to be you know we're not expert painters we're not those things but that's kind of the fun of it because when you do that from scratch in a way you know you change things as you do it makes you certainly feel like it's your home, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we already did feel that way when it was to the lost, but more so now than ever with a, a fresh coat of paint and some minor stuff and whatnot, it, it, it feels like our home. Yeah. Mm. Another question I had was to the lost had a pretty loyal following in Red Deer. Yeah. I, but when in that month you were closed, people would come to my bar and they're like, Ooh, I heard to the lost shut down. Like, well, yeah, but it's reopening as something else very soon. Yeah. So do you, did you retain most of those loyal customers? And did you, do you, I can't think of the word. Is it balloon? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great word, but it, ba- it, balloon, yeah. balloon. No, no, that's not I it. I just um, threw a dart. Yeah. Did, did you retain most of your loyal customer base or, uh, or have you had, I'm not. I'm not looking for numbers. I, I don't care if you're, you know, busier or, or or slower. I'm just saying, like, do you still have people? Oh, oh, I thought this place closed down. Or... For the most part, yeah. Uh, I a lot of the the faces that I used to see, you know, very regularly at To the Lost, I see quite often uh, here at Occam's, uh, and it, it fills my heart to see them all in here. Uh, and we we have lots of uh, customers coming back to check it out again, and it's been it's been great so far. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I cannot stress this enough. I would, I would put our guests in Red Deer, the, the population that we have in Red Deer, up against cocktail drinkers or bar goers in any other city in the world. We've got better people. We've got better people supporting local businesses. Um, not better people. We just got we've yeah, got a, an amazing community. I know I shouldn't say that, but you know they're on par. I'm sure Vancouver has a lot of great drinkers and people that support cocktail bars and stuff. But Red Deer blows us away. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You know, we've been so well supported since we opened, and you know more so than we even expected. And I think you know whether it's people that love to the lost and they're coming back and taking a chance and making sure that Eric and I didn't fuck it all up, or. Uh, people that are just discovering us for the first time—they're always so gracious. Uh, they come in, hang with us, have drinks, food, all that kind of stuff, and and it's amazing. So we're 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 pretty damn lucky. So some people were uh, were not fans of To the Lost mm-hmm. because it is Red Deer, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I'm born and raised Red Deerian, and I think I can say that Red Deerians are fickle, and especially when it comes to price, as we all know, because craft cocktails run expensive, right? Because you make it, you're making uh, a high quality, you're using high quality ingredients to make a good cocktail. Um, But people think $12, that's insane. And then they'll go and pay, you know, like we talked about last time, 1365 for a double spiced rum and Coke. But 
I've had I've heard nothing but good reviews about Occam's Razor so far. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Have you what you have you won over new fans? Like you've got your old standbys from To the Lost. Yep. You have a lot more new faces coming in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah a ton actually. Um, and and I think whether uh, old friend or new, the thing that everyone kind of has come to a consensus on is that we actually did manage to bring our price point way down. Uh, that was a huge focus for us. People were constantly, like we talked about the last podcast, you know, the, the, the price point is something that is important and it's kind of crucial to the success or failure of any business. You know, it, are people willing to pay what you're charging, right? Do they feel like they're getting value for their, you know, for their dollar? So that was a big focus for us in, in changing uh, sort of the structure of the way that we did things and um, sort of our focuses because To The Lost had a, an amazing following and, and was really well known for doing great cocktails. Um, but I think in some other avenues, um, people weren't as keen on what was going on. So that the thing kind of was like, okay, well, how do we diversify that and, and, and bring more of what people really want to have when they go out. So, I mean, we introduced our $5 program. So $5 wines, $5 beers, $5 highballs. Um, is it all the time or is this uh, all, all, every day, all day, every day? There's no, we, we, we had that choice very early on, which was, do we do a bunch of happy hour specials every day and sort of funnel people in during a certain period of time if they want the good deals? Or do we just sort of throw a blanket over everything and say, well, it's always on special. That's, you know? great. That's a great idea. And that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, our classics, all of our classic cocktails are $9. Two but ounce. you, yeah, two ounces, yeah. doubles I, for nine bucks. With yeah. the exception of martinis and Manhattans, which are three ounces, and yeah. Negronis as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So some triples, some doubles, but all nine bucks. The point is, that doesn't mean you can't have, we have a very large back bar. I would probably say we have more bottles than most bars in the city. Oh, yeah. So if there was something that you wanted that, you know, if you want to upgrade your gin or you want to upgrade your bourbon, whatever, that's fine. But from from a base perspective, you should be able to come and have a Negroni for under $10. I mean, we, we want to do everything that we can to support the growth of, of uh, a better drinking culture in the city. And, and the first, you know, port of call for that, the easiest way for us to do that is to make it accessible. And it should be accessible. Yeah. Can I mention your break-even bottle? Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No. I know. No, I didn't what know. What do you mean? Of course. No. <laughs> no one talks about the break-even bottle. Okay. Well, I will not talk about the break-even bottle where you bring in a really nice, high-end, expensive spirit. Is it always whiskey or is it just... Nope. No. It, God, it'll, no. It'll vary between whiskey, gin, everything. Okay. Everything. So, taking a... a <laughs> whiskey and gin. I love that. Of course, that's what he said. <laughs> it could be anything from whiskey to gin. <laughs> <laughs> that's it just pretty much just those yeah. Uh, yeah yeah as far reaching as a gin that's aged in a whiskey barrel <laughs> sometimes we, we mush them together <laughs> like that but you you bring it in and you charge it for cost you don't right. have a, yep. a charge right it. and actually this is the great thing about break-even bottles right i mean you know it, it is a way of taking something that again accessibility right that is one of the things that slows people down from trying a new bottle, from, you know, reaching outside of their comfort zone because they know they're comfortable where they're at. And so it's a goal of, of ours to always kind of challenge people to drink differently and to try new things and to play around with what they're used to. And that break-even bottle gives us an opportunity to bring something that, I mean, you know, it's not that accessible. No mm -hmm. one wants to spend 200 
$400 on a bottle of spirit just to try it. And likely you don't have that many opportunities to try it, especially in central Alberta. Yeah. So by bringing in a break-even bottle, we go and we pick up the bottle, we divide that by the number of ounces, the price that we pay, and, and that's what the guest pays because they should be able to do that. And, you know, that's a, I don't know, it helps people try things that they might otherwise never get a chance to. I was talking with some <clears throat> regulars at my bar, two couples, and they, you know, one couple, they're in Red Deer Scotch Club, and they're just big scotch drinkers mm. uh, and whiskey drinkers um, in general. And I told them, we were talking about Occam's Razor, and I said, oh, by the way, you guys love bourbon, or, uh, whiskeys. Um, Occam's Razor has the break-even bottle. And they're like, what is this? When, when during what hours? Like every hour. What? So yeah, it's like it's not advertised, obviously, but it's a uh, it's a. I mean, it will be. Like it. Yeah, yeah we're we just slow roll through all of our products and just show people what we have. So there will be a post about it coming up really, really soon here, actually, because we're we're coming down to the end of our makers mark. Uh, right, barrel select. select, yeah. So you know, after that, we we have to go on the hunt to find something new and exciting that. Uh, that we're stoked about and hopefully the rest of the city's stoked about, but we got to get a post up about this one so we can finish off that bottle and move on. Well, you'll, thanks to this podcast, you'll have about seven more people that have found out about this. I, so I advertising. Helpful. You know what, man? That's it. That's yeah. it. And Here you know it what? We want to take this opportunity to send a shout out to all seven of you. Uh, <laughs> come down, mention this podcast. We'll give you an extra cent off that break. Oh boy. Here you Boom. Lost leader. We're yeah, Matt Buck here from Malcolm's Razor, slashing prices daily. <laughs> Crazy Matt's. You can fit. <laughs> yeah, you can fit so much booze in this bad boy. Now we last time we tasted beers. We did. This time we're going to taste gins. Um, some we have three localish beers, or sorry, three localish gins. First one we're doing is Strathcona Spirits out of Edmonton, mm. and their Pinot Gin. Tell um, us you so you brought this today. You tell us about this. Tell us what's going on. Um, well, this is their their gin. Their straight up gin is fantastic. It's delicious, and they also have their uh, their steady uh, availability of um, their barrel aged gin. And uh, this one is. What, I don't know, just point out. No, I just want to point out that after delicately placing coasters on the table, Eric, uh, for a, a mild Sunday afternoon tasting. Um, has <laughs> delivered us, I, I would argue, more than an ounce yes, of this gin. Yeah, yes. But I mean, no, I no complaints here. Cha- like my pouring skills to the challenge. I will go get a jigger because I bet you these are bang on on that. Let's an do it. Oh, okay, right. I want to see this. All right. Okay. Here we go. There's no no speed spout. It is just free pour. So this is well, this is Japanese free pour, right? I couldn't find proof on it, but I heard a story. Yeah, well, that's pretty damn Read good. Read it and weep. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. Oh, my God, you did that. Wow. That's really good. Eric uh, Eric Croswell, ladies and gentlemen. That's a perfect pour. Kazuo Uyeda, who yeah. wrote Cocktail Techniques. Right. It is a fantastic, fantastic textbook. Uh, pocket-sized textbook. But I heard a, a, a legend tale that he has a, a cocktail or a bartending school in Japan where the first year... You don't make anything. All you learn how to do is free pour. So you have to, because they don't use spouts, you have to free pour an eighth of an ounce, quarter, half an ounce for a year. It's insane. 
That's so you incredibly would, challenging. You but could it's... challenge that exam. You could just go straight into second year with that right. four. Of course, because I can pour a perfect ounce. Not yeah. an eighth of an ounce, but a but that's ounce. the great thing about it, though. Is is I I would challenge anyone who, anyone who has the time available to go and do that. Go and do that. Why wouldn't you want to crush that? Oh, oh absolutely. As a bartender, why would you not want to have that skill? We that put. I, we have not. Like Eric and I would be. A thousand times better if we spent a you know six months in Japan or a year in Japan learning how to you know like the, oh the, man you never stop growing if you I never if I was growing. immortal and uh, had all the money in the world I would totally do that yep yeah. now like and that's the interesting thing to me is we put a lot of emphasis on a lot of different things um, from doing uh, like oleosaccharums with punches where you you use sugar to extract oils from the peels of citrus and whatnot but how many times do we pour in a night like i easily 500 because oh. we measure everything right yeah, exactly. constantly constantly pouring yeah. right so Man, yeah like, that is one of the biggest we have seven per cocktail yeah exactly so in the way more than 500 like last night we probably did about 1500 two grand yeah 2500 pouring pours, actions pours. so the more accurate and the more consistent you become with that the more you can trust yourself and your guests can trust that your cocktail is coming out consistently and perfect, perfectly yeah. every single time, right? But it's Not to mention, there, there is the fact that uh, every time you, you overpour, you just are wasting money, essentially, and you're throwing that uh, drink off. The yeah, it's the off. worst. Uh, I've, I've, so many times I've had to tell people like, that I work with, you know, like, okay, if you overpour... Like even using jiggers, even yep. overpour you overpour an eighth of an ounce is not much, but if you do that all night, you're throwing away at least a forty of forty ounce bottle of liquor, you know, and that's a lot of money it's, to, to lose and also lost sales. Yep. So you don't think it that an overpour is that harm harmful, but it really is. It is. It is because again we do that measurement. We do measurements, you know, two thousand times in a night. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's the thing. So there's you know there's cooking. There's baking and there's cocktail bartending. Two of those three require an insane level of precision. Correct. Baking and cocktails. Yeah. You know, you you miss one ingredient, you add just a touch too much of this, and your muffins don't have the same consistency. You you miss out on a tiny little bit of something in your cocktail recipe, that cocktail falls a little bit lower than it should. It's not it might still be good, but it's not perfect. Right. And and I would argue any cocktail bartender's pursuit is perfection. Pinot Gin. Pinot which Gin. is their gin aged in a Pinot Noir wine barrel. I get a lot of For black Helena, pepper on the nose. Shit, yeah. It's lovely. I'm going to have to edit this out because we're just sitting with our noses and it smells so good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It does. It smells wonderful. Lots of black pepper and like green grassy notes that, are, that I'm, I'm assuming is coming from. I don't know the, the the technical name. I did know the technical name, um, but I'm a person who tastes colors. So when I taste something, I don't mm. think of black pepper. I think of like a, a color. Mm. I wish I could, but I forget it. Of anyway. the color? No, the, there's a medical term that you can, like, it's like... Synesthesia. Well, no, that wouldn't be a technical definition of synesthesia, but synesthesia would be like when you taste some. I don't... It's a... It's a, it's a you don't have it. Let me put it that no, way. No, I don't have it, but... You don't taste I can... colors. But that would be an example of synesthesia, if you could. 
Well, that's weird. When you I saw see noises, color, you, you guys, got a so. taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? You're right. Yeah, but you don't have. <laughs> no, I don't have. That. <laughs> you don't. I didn't, I, like, oh. I didn't say I was fucking diagnosed with anything. I just, when I, when I, well, it was a bold statement. I can taste colors. And I was like, fuck, I wish I could taste colors. No, it's just when I, when I taste something, something, times I taste it, all I see is red. This, I, all I see is purple. So it reminds me of like lavender or, or something along those lines. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. I, I absolutely get it. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't taste per- purple personally, but. What do you taste, Eric? Black pepper. Uh, black pepper. I taste lavender. Absolutely. As soon as you said the word, it was on my on my tongue. Yeah. La- oh, for, yeah. Lavender's there. Without question. Yep. I could all, like, it I didn't almost that feels like you put a drop of our lavender bitters in it. That's mm. how pronounced that is for me. But anyways, it's a really good gin. It it's is. Great. That's a, that is a dynamite gin. I have to save at least one third of this bottle to, uh, to bottle a Negroni. Oh. Because... That would be nice. That would be nice. Without question. Yeah. So we're starting in the north. Sure, With yeah. an Edmonton distillery. Yes. And what an amazing distillery. Yeah. I used their gin for the Eightfold Path of the Lost. Yeah. God. Is there... Um, I drove by just off White Ave, and there's just a little shanty. Um, it looks like a, like a shed. Like a shed. Mm-hmm. And it says, Strathcona Spirits. Is that where they distill it in this tiny? I shouldn't say shanty like a rundown. Uh, <laughs> it's not like they can't pay their bills, but it's so small. Is that their tasting room, or do they they make everything there? Like pretty micro, hey? I'm unaware, honestly. Yeah, same. I don't know. They're they're definitely well. They they they're in a space that used to be a a, 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 bar, a bar, wasn't it? I. It's that's a show. How, yes, it was a venue familiar. prior to that. Yep. Oh, and, really? And now the same guy that used to design band posters for that venue is the guy or girl, I shouldn't say, I, I don't know, the artist, um, is the one who designs their labels. And evidently an incredibly talented artist. I wish I could quote the name, but I, I don't know. They have great, great... Um, check out, Yeah, check out Strathcona Spirits. It is. It is right off. It, look, if, look how small that... Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... It looks like a shed. I like it even more. It's it's about the size of a two-car garage. God damn, man. This is like tiny home living. (laughs) Distillery, tiny home living. We need to get Matt off this topic. Uh, Tiny homes... Have you ever thought about tiny homes? Oh, yes. Before I had four kids, I wanted it. That's what Catherine says, but the truth is, you could do it. Everyone just gets a pull-out drawer to sleep in. Yeah, but you need the land. Where are you going to put it? Well, in my own backyard, and just ran out of the house. Oh, that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's illegal, though, because Canada. Um, well, yeah, cause but that is an amazingly cool distillery. I did not realize that if you dropped a pin on it, it would be that little. Hmm. So now, being a former brewery slash distillery worker, I've seen you know the amount of stuff that they have to house, and wow, they are doing a fantastic job because that place has got to be jam-packed. Yeah, they probably use so many smaller batches, though. Yeah, I agree. You know, but like because troubled troubled monk, it has it room for all the empty bottles, all the full bottles, all the everything like yeah. that. So they probably like bring in the bottles, to fill them up, and take them out or something. Yeah, even then though, that's that's an enormous pain. Or because troubled monk used have like we have a, a storeroom facility down the the way, and uh, we always had to go with the, the forklift. And like getting stuck in the snow, and maybe they have an underground bunker. 
Hopefully. Now, back to our uh, our topic of conversation today. Matt, are you done? Hey, I'm listening. Okay. I'm engaged. I get a little bit of cinnamon from this gin all of a sudden. Well, cinnamon. I mean, cinnamon. That's, uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about. The vanilla. Mm. Vanilla and lavender, which does make sense. Vanilla would be coming from the barrel. That's, what, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I just absolutely. mean, I'm honestly that not that stoked on a lot of barrel-aged gins. It's not what I want from a gin, usually. Do you want to, Is it too muted? Is it not as fresh tasting? No, it, it's just... It's not... I, I You know, barrel-aged spirits, I'll typically turn to whiskeys or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And gins, I like them to be fresh and vibrant and citrusy and all that kind of stuff. That's just what I said. Is yeah, it? literally. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, but it's said. not muted. It's not that it's muted. Okay. It's that it's it's completely kind of different. It's muted. No, <laughs> it's it, the flavors are still turned up, but they completely they completely change. Okay. From that, muddled, muddy, <laughs> muddy. Done. Okay. Yes, that is sure. yes. Okay, fair enough. I'll agree with you on that. But this is amazing. Yeah, it is. This is probably one of the best barrel aged gins I've ever had. Yeah. From a Pinot Noir pair? Yeah. 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 It's wow. really, really cool. That's lovely. French and American and white oak Pinot Noir casks. So, yeah, I guess that really doesn't tell much about it. But. Yeah. Well, if it's American oak, it's, you know, definitely, yeah, that's cool. Okay. So, um, craft cocktails are new to Central Alberta still. Yep. Basically. Yep. You have a couple places. I shouldn't say new because everyone's getting on, like all the chains now offer old-fashioned even the gronies and that yeah, kind of which stuff. is awesome. Yeah. It is great. But in that craft beer is gigantic here now and everything's coming up. But how has the battle been going? Going from, because I remember when To the Lost first opened, you still get so many people coming in asking for eyeballs because they don't want to, oh, look at the menu and this stuff scares me. I'll yeah. have a, a beer or a, a highball. How has it been going with turning the masses into cocktailers? Uh, I would say it's been going pretty good. The one thing that I would have to say is a lot of craft beer drinkers, they are used to changing up their routine. They're used to trying different stuff. So I find that oftentimes cocktails is it's not it's not out of their ballpark. They're happy to try something new, to try and you know change their drinking habits, to learn something new. So I'd be saying that's going. Re- I, I would say that's going really good. Matt did an awesome job on our menus when he listed ingredients. He he kind of. Uh, did it in such a perfect way where everything is understandable and digestible. I can totally understand what's like in a drink just by reading the ingredients because they're not super specific. We're not saying like, oh, this has Amaro Montenegro. I like how you took the mash. I like how you took the brands out. Yes. It it, it helps because when you just read rye whiskey, it it simplifies it all. It makes it a way easier choice, I And so we have had a lot of good feedback on that point, that the menu is simpler and the drinks are are easy, more digestible to read and figure out what you want. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think based on when we began the journey at To The Lost um, to now, it's been um, exponential growth every single year. Mm. There are there are now people coming in to Occam's Razor who are asking me for things that surprise me and delight me 
and and like oh you've heard of that where where did you hear about that well you know i was i was on the internet surfing and i made a couple of these at home and i'm wondering if you could make me a you know a sazerac or uh, just drinks that are a little more obscure and to me that that's the beginning of seeing a drinking culture because for us it's it's fantastic that you come in uh, and have a cocktail but are you going home and making them for yourself are you getting interested are you are you you know craft beer is an amazing example people are fascinated by different beer styles different production methods all of that kind of stuff but they can't really make them at home most people don't make beer at home mm -hmm. a few people do who are really into it and that's awesome but you can pretty easily make a cocktail at home if, if you're so inclined and that's sort of what gets the ball rolling on being really passionate about cocktails thank you um, and I think people are starting to get to that level where they want to make drinks at home and then they come down here and they want us to riff on things and then, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, we have the best, best guests in the world and I think a lot of them are really, really interested and dialed in and passionate about cocktails too and so when we can share that with them back and forth, that's awesome. I love guests that travel abroad. I have... Um, really cool regulars at to the lost and, and and now again at Occam's that come in and they're like hey you know I went to New York or New Orleans or uh, London or these places and they'll send us photos on social media while they're away like here I'm at this bar check this out look at what this guy's doing look at what this girl just made us that is super cool because it shows me that beyond just coming in here to drink you're actually developing a bit of a, a, a nerdy fascination with cocktails yeah that is the the basis of a true drinking culture in a city and, and we're getting there that's what we that's what we love to do that's we are those super nerdy people like i cannot tell you how like my girlfriend describes how excited i get when i'm dealing with um dilution and like freezing ice mm, i just yeah. like it's one of my favorite topics but yet it is uh, from a, a stand like a, a standpoint probably one of the most boring things besides the grass growing is water freezing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you i saw on reddit the other day that there's a, a fridge now that makes crystal clear spheres yes. like yeah. a fridge it takes a while a yeah. couple weeks or whatever but i'm like is it that in demand now that people want crystal clear spheres well, i think that's i think that's pretty great and that, Better than that's the little cloudy boats that they usually make. That's the really interesting thing is that uh, from like a cocktail standpoint, cloudy ice does not really affect the cocktail itself. No, not it's much. Just, no. It is totally aesthetic. You, we just like it's just night. Like we like seeing a crystal clear cocktail with a crystal clear ice cube. And that is nerdiest at its best. Well, I kind of, I would ar almost argue that most things are. You know, like the glassware that you yeah, use. Yeah. The, the tools that you use to yep. make it. Like if you're making it at home, you know, stir it with a chopstick and pour it in a coffee mug. Yeah. For all I care. Who, Absolutely. Who, who cares? But there are people that, here, you need this tool and that tool and you need these Nick and Nora glasses. You no. really don't. I really, no. I, I tell people when I'm like talking to civilians... Uh, non-customers and non-bartenders, um, but if I'm like doing a class or something, like just use what you have. Yep. You stir it with your finger, pour it in your uh, like any kind of water glass, and use whatever ice you have. Don't worry about what oh, other people yeah. say. You know. I mean, we okay. So you had the cocktail renaissance, which is still going on, depending on where you are in the world. 
we're about 10 years behind America in yeah. Canada. Probably always will be. You know, we are playing that same cultural expansion game, but we're behind. And I think one of the biggest and shittiest things about the cocktail renaissance was uh, the pretentious nature of it all. Exactly what you're talking about. Well, you need yeah. this. You need this. You know, fuck that. Fuck off with all of that. If you're making a Negroni in a goddamn plastic red Dixie cup or whatever, plastic whatever it is, great. Yeah. It's still going to taste good. And you can get as as ridiculous as you want with it. But the point is you don't need the glassware. You don't need clear ice. You don't need anything other than a desire to learn. Yep. And that is one of the biggest problems with it all now. But I think that's switching. Yeah, because people think, are oh, no longer back. willing to go to a bartender who's like, "Oh, you've never heard of that? <laughs> How quaint! <laughs> yeah. Let me educate you." Uh, no, sir, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those kind of bartenders really shouldn't do it. No, they shouldn't. Because all they they're doing are is, not still doing it. They're no, and, or on. if they're not, they'll 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 burn out and. Yeah. Go on to the next big trend and try and pretend they liked it before it was cool too. Because the point is, is that they, you know, if it's not accessible, why bother? Well, there were a few years ago that there were rumors of bars in America too that would not serve vodka, not serve cranberry juice, not serve anything like that, and they would turn up their nose. I don't know if I've told you this story before, but was um, seeing at, at Art of the Cocktail in Vancouver, and I saw um, Jeffrey Morgenthaler and Sean Sewell put on a um, seminar called How to Create a World-Class Cocktail Bar in a Small City. Mm. And Jeffrey Morgenthaler was talking about, you know, basically make your customer happy no matter what. And someone said, I don't know where he was from or whatever, but he said, well, what do you you do if someone comes into your bar and orders a Cosmo? And he looked almost incredulous and he said, you make them the best damn Cosmo you can make. And and then he's like, oh, okay. He's like, don't turn your nose up. Don't say we don't carry this or that. Like, that's not your business. Your business is to give the customer what they want. Yeah. Oh, without doubt. And and especially in now, and we're trying to push cocktails on people, craft cocktails, you know, not, you know, cocktail is a broad term, but the craft, like the old school cocktails. Mm. Don't say, if someone sits in my bar and wants to get drunk on Caesars and Paralyzers, by all means. Well, yeah. Make, why make, not? Make it a double. Let's go. But there are people that's like, oh, mm, you don't want to do that. I remember you and I, I'm probably, I'll probably delete this out because it's bad mouthing someone else. But no, you know what? I won't even name the bar. We went to the Beefeater uh, competition mm. in Calgary. And then we went to a bar after. And you said, I want, I want a vodka martini. Uh, Little vermouth, actually no vermouth. Just you said, uh, uh, point the, just wave the vermouth bottle over the glass, and then that's it. And the guy's like, "Are you telling me you just want a a, a chilled gray goose?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's exactly what I fucking want." Like, and he's turned up his nose. I I was so pissed at that guy. I'm like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, someone just told you you want to, and then. Yeah. And then so, someone, and it. then he had a smoked like a smoked cocktail. I. I personally hate smoked cocktails because, and then he released the little bell jar and it was about oh, this yeah. far in oh, front yeah. of the guy's face. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, fuck off. Now, here. oh, here's man. like, this is the thing. Our, all of our jobs 
is to make you what you want to drink. I don't tell you what you want to drink. I don't know your taste buds. I don't know what you're in the mood for. I will make you whatever you want to drink to the best of my ability for what I have at the bar. Sometimes I don't have ingredients, but there's almost always a solution or something that you can do that's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. You offer, that, offer them to – would you like to try – Something that I've been working on or something that is yes. really hot this week that like a lot of people are buying. You want to try? My, my no. job is not to judge you based on what you drink. Yeah. I don't care whether you come in and order the most expensive scotch or you order a double rum and coke. It yeah. doesn't matter to me. Even, and really also, doesn't. if you order That's, a butt, I'm not going to push you on a Negroni. No. But if you like, hey, what have you got up your sleeve? That's when you say – well, is there anything you don't like? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know. Usually I ask allergies. Allergies, allergies preferences. Yes. Yeah. Th those are my two questions. And, you know, even if you give me those two bits of information, I can I can work with it, right? If I know kind of what you're wanting, whether it even be something as generic as, oh, I want whiskey, I can work with that easily. And if I do make you something that you're not a big fan of, tell me. Because I'm happy to remake it and, and figure out what you're, you're looking for. Because you're coming to my bar or your bar or whoever's bar for a fun night out and a good experience True. and it is our jobs it they these guests are our we're the hosts right right we're the host our guests and we need to make them happy we need to uh, be what they want Ex essentially except when someone says i do not like gin then i will definitely make them a gin drink and they will <laughs> definitely like it and they're like what's in this like gin like a clover club or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, not where it's super gin forward, but like, you don't, don't, don't hate on gin just because you don't, like, you had Nobody should a hate bad experience gin, with gin. Nobody should yeah. hate well, on gin. Well, it's the same people that say, I, which I used to be, um, I do not like tequila. Mm. Oh, is that because you got blackout drunk off Soza Gold when you were 18? That's probably why. But if you have some good tequila or, or a good... Yeah. Hearty margarita. You're going to love it. Margaritas. Yeah. They're like, they're the key to my heart. I like good margarita is the best thing. Yeah. Uh, now we have a oh, yeah. gin. Let's go. Uh, Epitaph, which is made right here in Red Deer by Trouble Bunk. Keeping our, uh, uh, you know, starting in the north, going south. Mm -hmm. So now we've landed in Red Deer. It's a lovely uh, color changing gin. It's a nice vibrant blue and it changes pink. Uh, with some acidity, whether that be lemon juice, lime juice, tonic water, carbonic acid. Yeah, well, carbonic yeah, acid will. blood, Dick. blood, blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean blood orange blood juice. Oh yes, you of course. Yes, yeah, acidic. There. Those cut last two really push this podcast <laughs> in a dark direction. Is blood <laughs> and dick. <laughs> also change the color of yes. this <laughs> Should we start this part over Hopefully and add it from the, the same source? Jesus. Um, is, is blood uh, acid, acidic or basic? I don't know. I mean, I have a pH meter, so now i got to find out. <laughs> <laughs> you go home and do that. Yeah. Man, I have no idea. Don't do that. I feel anyway. like it would be acidic. Not very many things that we ingest are basic. You know, aside from, you know, yeah, milk and... Uh, Milk's basic. Yeah, no, milk milk is you just, you, just yeah. get, you just gave me a very... No, I was day. just like, I was waiting for you to name more, because there just isn't very many. Milk and blood. Milk and blood. And bloody milk. <laughs> so you're saying when I have indigestion or heartburn, <laughs> just drink some blood. It's great advice. Basically. <laughs> Basically. 
Okay, Sounds back like to Epitaph. Uh, yeah, back to Epitaph. This podcast sucks so far. Not really. We're just going off about <laughs> blood and dick. dick. <laughs> True to form. Oh, yeah. well, we certainly are showcasing our, our personalities here. Okay, well, well, I'll edit that out. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially the dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wouldn't have to edit out near as much if you didn't. Keep, Keep bringing saying up about it. Yeah, dick. I know, I know. I like the okay. spike there where you said it. Right there. <laughs> this is a very good gin. Uh, this is a around Red Deer. It's very popular because Troubled Monk is probably the most popular uh, craft brewery. Mm-hmm. And now that they've got their distillery going, uh, this gin is very good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's well received made right here. Say. It's right made yeah. right here in our city. It's the only gin made in Red Deer. Oh, in the city limits, yeah. There, there are outside of you know Innisfail and Lacombe that are making it too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lacombe no longer. OPSD shut down. No, yeah. really? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh. Super unfortunate. Do yeah. they have a bunch of stuff they want to sell, <laughs> and we can start our own? And it's probably all gone. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it, it yeah. really does suck. That it uh, it was it was a pretty quiet shutdown. I didn't hear about it till a few weeks after it had happened. But yeah, really mm. unfortunate. But yeah, Innisfail is still doing something. Stoneheart. Stoneheart. We yeah, should say Stoneheart. Stoneheart. Yeah. yeah, we should say Stoneheart. Yeah. yeah. But one thing about uh, Red Deer is they do love their Troubled Monk. And they, they yeah, do yeah. love their, they love their all their craft breweries. Uh, Red Heart, Sawback, all of them. Yeah. Those those guys uh, deserve a, an, enormous, an enormous amount of support anyhow. Definitely. And I think yeah, I, I, beer. I told a couple customers that I don't care how much people say the economy is doom and gloom. Look at the tap rooms of craft beer or craft breweries, and don't tell me people aren't spending their money because craft breweries, you know, craft beer is obviously more expensive. Yep. Um, but people are lining up for their growlers and they're spending the money on it. So again, because I will never miss an opportunity to say this, the reason that they are more expensive is because they're objectively fucking better. I will totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm not... I'm that not, does not mean that it's an IP. I'm not saying IPAs are better than... You know, look, what I'm saying is if you are a fan of Budweiser, there's a craft beer for you. And that won't necessarily break the bank. Well, the, uh, They're not aggressively more expensive. The, the, the uh, Troubled Monk Golden Gates. I, Golden I Gates. When we had that on tap, they say, do you have Kokanee on tap? And I say, no, but we have this that yeah. you will love. Field and, and Forge Golden did. Ale. Yes, yes. They do Riverstone Creek Lager. Sure. Um, help me out here. I've heard that go, that loggers are the new uh, the new trend in craft brewing. Yeah, they're they're starting to become. Uh, well, of course, because they, because you, you, people like, love loggers and they love. We've gone full and circle. They love, well, they, and I I think personally they should have led with that because it's like, oh, I want to break into a macro market of Bud and Coors Light drinkers. So here is a double IPA, and <laughs> I don't. Now, part of me dis- disagrees with that. Because given uh, a craft option that is a lager that is going to be very similar to like Budweiser and the craft is more expensive, they will get less love. People will usually I, – I feel like people will usually turn to the, the cheaper um, – especially because it's, it's not much cheaper. It's not like it's a big price point, but people will gravitate towards that because they are getting a very similar product. Well, yeah, but I think breweries locally like Troubled Monk, one of their four – Staples is the Golden Gates. Great. Yep. Field and Forge. Golden Ale. They, they did it really well. But there are a lot that didn't. They want to break away and say, 
here's how crazy we can get. Which is fucking awesome. It is fucking like, awesome. Man, all you can do, all you can do is what you're passionate about. You know what I mean? And I and I think that's the thing that sometimes we have a little bit of a struggle in this part of the world, and it's not a bad thing. It's just a geographical factor. Okay. For years and years and years, which beers dominated the marketplace here? Domestic. But lovers. domestic, yeah. domestic, domestic. Now, though, how many breweries are open in Red Deer? Five. Five. Well, yeah, and I would say it's not even uh, Red Deerians or the brewery's fault. It's the uh, Coors Mol- or, uh, uh, Molson Labatt. We all know about AGLC and how they had their minimum. Right. Yeah, the, the minimum production. Minimum yeah. production yeah. facilities. So, yeah. aside from Big Rock, there you know no one could really start up. It was because it was, it was too just expensive. Impossible. It like you would have, have had to fork out fork out yeah, so and, much money to be able to have uh, such big brewing equipment. But then you are sitting on top of so much beer. Well, exactly. That's why no one did no it. And no customers. Well, that's why no how, one did how it. How am I supposed to like? do a slow roll into the market when I have to produce so many hectoliters of beer, so many thousands upon like tens of thousands of cans a year. And nobody knows my name. I'm like, it's unfeasible. The the initial overhead investment of producing that that number of beer is so fucking astronomical. It's not even funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you're dealing with just a little startup. That's exactly why no one could do it. But I mean like big rock did it. Um, but, but they did it like way the eighty six or something. Yes, but I, I mean that's exactly. The if year. you would have li- if they would have lifted that ban a lot Guaranteed earlier, eighty six, it was a hell of a lot cheaper than it is. Oh yeah, like fuck. Who knows Not what? Not to mention what other like what other craft dude. beer or what was what else was on the market? Right. This is the thing. Since eighty six, look how good our like um, our our transportation has become. Look at all the beers that we get in from. Uh, BC and Ontario and whatnot. Yeah. So back in '86, that that would have been less. So there was a bigger chunk of that pie for Big Rock to get going. I I feel. Oh yeah, yeah. and you not that they're a microbrewery anymore. Well, they who bought them? Sold to I don't know. It was recent. Yeah, yeah. But who? Somebody bought them. But it like it someone like Kokanee, They started out as a Kokanee and then they got bought out by Labatt. Did they? Did they not? Yeah. For it wasn't. Part, it was an evolution of beer. Well, they've been I in know, but it wasn't Labatt starting their little craft side. <laughs> but but that, so yeah, yeah. so Big Rock probably thought, okay, well, let's start something up and then sell to the macros, and then they got big on their own and great. But I mean, and again, uh, a rare moment of uh, positivity for me. But those macros were micros ones. Yep. So good for them, but bye. I don't, I don't think uh, it's bye. I don't know. That's, you may, no, I'm not saying buy as in no one's going to buy you anymore. No, no. I mean, like, yeah, you, like, every, every you know, Apple started in a, in a yeah, for garage. Sure. And or, that's, I mean, isn't that the dream? That's a good thing. But at the same time, there needs to be balance. Well, yeah. Macro and micro working to together. That's like, but see, this is the thing. The people have taught the big breweries what they want. The reason why big breweries put out lots of lagers is because that is what the majority of the population has consumed en masse for years and years right. yeah, and which is years. Great. There's a, there's that a is collective business. consensus on what is right. what is. And now you're seeing them change, though. I, think, I, think, I know I brought it up in the last podcast, 
where big breweries are doing things like IPAs now. And it's because uh, the people have changed their taste. There is demand for IPAs now. So it's the business's job to adapt to what its customers want. Rather than always always kind of sticking the knife to the big guys, it you, you just kind of have to look at their like, they were trained to make lots of light lager right. because that's what we were drinking. That's why Kokanee was so, it is so popular. I have to pee so bad. Okay, pee break is over. Uh, serious editing coming up. Uh, we wanted to keep this under an hour, but who knows? We have two gins to taste left. I wanted to one. be like... One. Well, we haven't even tasted this one yet. Yeah, we have. Well, I have. No, have we? Yeah. Have we talked about it? Yeah, a little bit. No. We made in Red Deer. We haven't done tasting notes. <laughs> okay, well, get on it. Well, tasting I was... notes. <laughs> in terms of tasting notes. Matt said, ooh, a shot? Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the uh, Epitaph Gin, it's blue because of the butterfly pea flower, yep. and uh, actually the distiller Al was at my bar right before Christmas, and he said, you guys need to sell that more, basically, because it has really, the UV, UV changes the color, really fades it, so it was like a very light Caribbean blue, rather, <laughs> rather than a... Um, Indigo. Nice. Nice work on the vocabulary. Epitaph Gin. We talked about we don't want to beat the horse with it, but it's good. It's, it's really, really delicious. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And I made quite a few really good cocktails with it. It's, it's one of those ones that's very easy to work with in cocktails. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, you know, from a cocktail standpoint, it's super workable. Uh, I could think of a, a ton of things to, to do with it. Really nice gin. Yeah. How many seats you got here at Occam's Razor? Uh, we have 50, uh, not including the patio that gets set up in the summer Reservations, all that. All oh that. yeah, uh, we seven days a week. Seven days a week, um, three o'clock till eleven o'clock Sunday through Thursday, three o'clock till uh, two a.m. Friday and Saturday. Um, in terms of reservations, yes, absolutely, we encourage reservations. It uh, it allows us to be prepared for you. Uh, we can welcome you just that little bit better and and be a little bit more prepared for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but walk-ins are also great. We love seeing random faces and. Pub crawls come right through. Yeah, uh, we got a great bar right beside us, uh, Velvet Olive, which I always try and send people that are going through on the pub crawl too, because uh, it's a great little stop in the back alley there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing is that the downtown is is incredibly vibrant and full of a lot of really great great spots. And um, you know, Red Deer, you know, it has a close relationship with franchises, but at the same time, there are a ton of locally owned businesses downtown that will give you just as great a deal on your alcohol and, and just as good of a time and, and I would argue a better atmosphere. Uh, you just have to be willing to pop on down. Yeah, Red Deer is different than most cities like that uh, in that people don't really go downtown. Downtown, like Victoria, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, is you go downtown to find the, the the nightlife. Here, anyone from out of town, they ask their people at the front desk of their hotel, and mm. they'll tell them this suburb, that suburb, or whatever, you know, but downtown isn't the destination that most cities have. Uh, I do believe that it should be, because it's, you know, Red Deer has a small downtown. Yeah, um, which is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's Makes it easy. concentrated. It's very, very yeah. walkable. Yeah. Which is nice. Like it's we don't we don't need the the transportation that the big cities have like Calgary, where it has lots of public transport and in fact it's 
encouraged to use it downtown by use of free charge, right? You can ride the, the train downtown mm. free of charge to some extent, at least from what I know. Our, our entire downtown is walkable. Whether you're having dinner at La Casa and you want to walk over to the Velvet Olive or Tribe or Occam's Razor for a drink, it's like it's it's a short little walk. Mm. Totally be totally doable even in the winter. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think it's I like it, it makes for the ideal place. I always tell people uh, our downtown should work almost as if it's a mall, like an outdoor mall where you park your car, you pay for your parking, and then you just walk everywhere. You go over to Chronicles and grab a, a comic or, you know, a coffee. You can pop over here for a drink. There's usually the Wednesday market in the summer. But that's the beauty about Red Deer downtown is that you don't have to pay for parking after 4.30. But everyone yeah. complains in Red Deer about lack of parking. Hudson's, half a block east of you, just closed down. And so many people online said, well, the parking sucks. And it, I said, replied as much as I could, you have to walk across the street and then you have about 300 spots on that road in front of City Hall. And that is, like, after 5 o'clock is are totally empty. And, you know, and on weekends, it's free. Like, that, that the, is a luxury you don't get in Calgary or Edmonton. Yeah, I or, think the, the parking uh, scapegoat is... Uh, I don't think I, I, I no, can understand. No, no. Uh, flat out, I'm going to argue with you on that one. I think the, city, the people of Red Deer are absolutely correct in the fact that... These parking meters are one of the biggest uh, atrocities in the world. How we have one so. of the most active fucking meter-made cultures I've ever seen. I've ever seen. The city cannot possibly make as much money from these parking meters that they need to be present. We are a city of 100,000 people. If you want to invigorate the downtown, let people park down here for free. In the same way they park in front of State and Maine for free. In the same way that they park in front of uh, Boston Pizza for free. Put in parking lots. The only new parking lot that's gone in in the last five years was the one commissioned by the goddamn casino that you can only park in if you're a casino employee. Which Everything a, else is paid parking. Which was a total scam, by the way, because they leveled that, they bought a house, leveled it, paid for the, or made the parking lot, and then said, Oh, this isn't uh, zoned for a parking lot. Can we please have a parking lot here? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 garbage. I think in general, I think the city would with a two-hour limit. Yeah, everything so people don't right. The workers of downtown just don't so park out in front of the street. Even if you're willing to pay for parking, you now have a time limit on how long you can spend shopping, drinking, eating before you have to run back outside and fill your meter. Mm. That is not. How you, uh, you know, grow a downtown culture. Why would people choose to come down here when they're being penalized for doing so in a way that they wouldn't be penalized if they went to your restaurant in State and Maine or they went to Boston Pizza or they went to fucking Bauer Mall? Fuck off with these parking meters. Should you, have you told the Downtown Business Association, they don't have anything to do with it, or the Red Deer City Hall? Have you told them this would, I am a downtown business person, this would help? You know what, that's the thing. That, for me, uh, I'm a firm believer that a business uh, is as successful as it makes itself. I won't, I won't uh, beg. It could help, though. It could help, but here's the thing. I, I, you know, I genuinely believe that, yes, these are challenges that could be fixed. Um, 
and I will absolutely voice my concerns. You know, I was at the last DBA meeting on behalf of Occam's Razor, and and you know, I think things are, you know, there are things that are being attempted here, but parking meters are not necessarily helping anyone. You literally have to pay to play to come down here. Well, that's true, and the amount so, of the, the salaries of it's the free to meter, shop. Is it commissioners or is it city people? I don't know. Uh, anyways. You're paying a lot of money for those people even checking those meters. Right. And if it's, you know, on the low, low end, $50,000 right. a year for one person, you've got, you know, five people walking the streets. I am no expert on uh, financial policy or the fiscal income of a city, anything like that. And you know what? Most I'm, taxpayers are. I'm fully willing to admit that I might be wrong in this fact, but it seems odd to me that you can pay nothing to shop at Best Buy. But to come down here and pick up a great gift for someone from housewarmings, LVs, Chronicles, Sunworks, eating at Tribe, coming to drink at Occam's Razor. If you come at the wrong time, you have to pay the city to shop at these businesses. I think, Matt, you need to, maybe af right after this, you know, get a couple drinks in you, <laughs> sit down, <laughs> sit down at your computer, type it up. Type up a letter, sleep yeah. on it, and in the morning, say, my, my business depends on this, send. Send it. I, I disagree, though. though. Again, like I say, it, it doesn't depend on it. I think, I think no, I'm, not, of, I'm not saying it depends on it, yeah. but it will fucking help or hinder. Yeah, we, we can help or hinder, but the point is, you know, the thing is, maybe there's something really beneficial that the city's doing with the money that they're drawing from the parking <laughs> meters. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I just had to put that out there so that if I ever get tagged in this conversation, I'm able to say, well, look, I, you know, I threw that out there. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, if I, if I had the, the right as a citizen to unscrew all those parking meters and take them to the dump, I would because I think they'd be a better benefit to the city in the dump than they would be downtown. You can either get the citizenry to rise up and smash them all down. Or, Matt Buck, you can write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> well, I would have, hey. yeah. But the, I, I, think, I, think, I think anyone listening to this podcast would agree that there, you don't need to pay twice to shop downtown. Now, here's the thing. If you're pay, who, the city's paying money to put these banners up on light poles and all this stuff. Shop, live, work, play downtown. But pay for it. Instead of ticketing, people, it, like, he, someone drives down here and they park where, where there's no parking, parking meters. They park... They have some too, too many drinks. They take a taxi home, write a little note on their dash, and it says, I was drunk. I'll pick this up before noon. Yeah. And then they come down here and they take it away. Because I think that's why people don't come down here town, downtown to drink is because they, well, yeah, sure, parking's free at night, but I've got to be here at 8 a.m. to pick up my car or else it's going to get ticketed. Right. What with Red Deer's recent uh, Uber... Uh, regulations, Uber's probably going to go away, and the taxis don't well, even give me start. The parking meters don't affect us. Mm -mm. So when I say this, it's not out of a, a selfish place. No, you the don't. parking meters affect the amazing businesses that make up the daytime mm. shopping potential of the downtown core. They don't benefit City Roast, LVs, The Vinyl Den, Chronicles, Housewarmings, um, Sunworks. 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 The vinyl den? 
The vinyl den is just down the street from us. Vietnamese subs, all of these places. Those are the, in reality, we are one of the few places that is open in the downtown in the evening when parking is free. So I'm not shouting this from the rooftops to make Occam's uh, an easier place to park in front of. We're fucking free to park in front of any time after 5 o'clock. And True. all weekend. True. And However, in the summer, you are screwed with the patio, too. So it doesn't affect you at all. No. Or it doesn't benefit you at all. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are incredible, vibrant businesses in the downtown that are open all day long. And everybody has to pay to shop at those places, and it makes me red in the face. No. Nope. That is not a fair shake for those places. It is not, and I I live on the east end. I work on the southeast end, both suburbs. Um, I will all, always defend downtown Red Deer because there are people that I serve and say, oh, I'm not going down there. It's downtown. And I'm like, it's literally... Less than an eight-minute drive mm -hmm. from right here, way up on the in the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. But if we were in Calgary or Edmonton, it's a twenty-minute drive, and they will go no problem. Yeah. But and that's why I started on the parking because in in any of those cities, if you want to go to a nice restaurant, you're going to park two blocks away, and you're not going to complain about it. You're just going to park, and you're going to go. Right. Absolutely. Um, but here, it's if I'm not within fifty meters. No, 50 feet, I'm not going to do it. Right, and there's, I'm sure there's various reasons for that, and that's justifiable for each individual person, but the idea is to challenge yourself to, to step outside of the comfort zone. And I mean, the other thing, the other big thing that the downtown always faces is danger. The downtown is not that dangerous. No, It not really isn't, especially right. given the efforts of the city and the RCMP have a brand new downtown detachment. They work in the downtown from, what was it, uh, 8 a.m., 9 yeah. a.m., until 2, 2 a.m. Oh, really? There, are, yes. there is a, a six or seven, no, it's a seven-man strong team now. They've just added a new officer. Walk, bike, Segway, um, everything. Where they are, are down here, and they're located right by the Downtown Business Association. Oh, it's right there. Right in arguably one of the... Uh, a half a block north of Dark Day Studios. That's right. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. That is correct. Yeah. Half a block north of Dark Day Studios. Uh, another amazing downtown business that people need to check out and support because it is incredible. But that's my point. We have a seven-officer-strong team in the downtown that is currently working to eliminate the issues that we're seeing for businesses and for, for guests and for uh, people that want to shop in the downtown. Now the next thing is, you know, giving it to people for free. We have a third gin to taste. Yep. Okay. We keep on, we're going south to Confluence out of Calgary. Yep. Yes. Very new distillery. Um, I came in Not last... Not very new, but fairly new. Okay. Yep, I, I came new. in last week or... Oh, I thought to myself, what's that beautiful bottle? And I said I wanted a Negroni. And you said, would you like it with Confluence Gin, which is that bottle? And I said, yeah, please. And it is, I was really impressed with it. So let's talk about it and taste it. Okay, so uh, I got introduced to Confluence by their uh, rep, Jamie. He came into Occam's. We were just in the middle of opening. So when he first came across our uh, emails, I was like, okay, well, we got another tasting to do. And I, I almost shrugged it off. I honestly did. Because I was so caught up in the moment. He brought in these uh, four different spirits. He brought in a vodka, a gin, a Christmas gin, as well as an aquavit. Oh, yeah. 
And as soon as I tasted the first one, and he, I, I knew we were onto something that's kind of special. And so we kept tasting them. And finally, I asked him the price point on it because I was waiting for the big, you know, high dollar bill drum roll. Um, and these spirits are incredibly affordable. They are some of the best spirits I've ever tasted, and they have next-level marketing. They honestly do. I cannot say enough good stuff about Confluence. Uh, I, I've been a really big fan of theirs lately. We yeah. ended up picking up their vodka, their gin, and their aqua beat. Yeah, I got to meet Jamie um, last spring in Calgary, and he was just a, just a, a really, is, really kind guy. Is Jamie the sales rep or the distiller? The owner. The owner, distiller, and uh, sales rep. That's right. Are we going to get him on this podcast? We are going to get him on this podcast if it kills us. Yes. Uh, No. Okay. But I will. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Yes. Okay, good. That is the plan because he's, and and I can't wait for us to sit down and chat with him because he is a really, really cool guy. And I know you two are going to hit it off like crazy. So Confluence Gin, very nice, fresh uh, fragrance on it. One thing that I note that they do... um, that's that's really uh, kind of cool. Is they distill all the N- NGS like they what they just neutral grain spirit for the layman. Yes, um, they do not use. Yeah, they point. do not use. They don't. Yeah, they neutral don't, grain spirit. Yeah. They are a genuine and true expression of craft, which I can't wait to ask him about. Yeah, and it's 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 one of the best examples uh, I've seen. Honestly, it's it's fantastic distilling. Their bottles are absolutely gorgeous. If you're listening to this in Red Deer, uh, you can find Confluence Spirits at uh, Liquor Hutch on Gasoline Alley. And uh, take it from us, all of us, I would think, uh, Mm. you should go and you should buy a bottle of vodka and gin and Akavit and explore those because they're absolutely incredible. I want to put a question to you, Seth. What do you think this bottle is worth? Oh, well, okay, well, if I tasted, it doesn't taste like your regular London dry. Yep. It tastes it tastes very new world and but not it tastes deeper and darker than like a Hendrix or something. I don't wouldn't ta- I wouldn't say it tastes like a bottle aged, but it has that very woody bottom notes, like woody bottom mm-hmm. notes to yep. it. It's not as it's not a lavender citrusy floral one. It's a very a deep dark it's a dank gin. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I, I, I can know. accept but, all of those 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 note tasting notes on it. I fucking love it. I love it. It's delicious. Now, what um, what, what do you think you would expect to pay for this? Maybe not what it's worth to you, but what do you think if you were walking into a liquor store to buy it? What do you think you'd pay for it? Knowing it's from Calgary, it's craft gin. They make their own uh, spirit to to redistill into gin. Fifty two ninety nine. I believe this bottle retails for forty. Forty dollars. Now, is it thirty thirty nine ninety nine or is it forty ninety nine? I think it's it's like forty and a bit of change. Are you one hundred percent sure? Because this is a podcast, we should probably make sure we're advertising the correct price for Confluence. Well, it's Early gonna 40s. vary based on liquor store markup. For sure. Yeah. Okay. For sure. But it's it, gonna again, be forty and change. I think the takeaway it's like, is it's incredibly, incredibly like, oh, I'm forty and change. So then yeah, that's <laughs> why I like it. Yes. It's. But that's that's what I mean. It's it's perfect. And that means that I'm thirty. Anything and in the thirties is so, garbage. Yeah. So here's a little a little piece of information about the three of us. Seth is forty and change. I clock in uh, a decade 
uh, younger at uh, 30 and change. And then Eric over here is 20 and change. And that, surprisingly, uh, all of our livers are equally punky. Yeah. And don't <laughs> well, my gout has set in. Yours hasn't yet. You are the most cynical of the bunch, which is weird, because you are the crotchety one, mm. um, and you're the middle of the road. You're the, right. you're the baby bear. Yeah. Um, the mama bear. And weird that the, the, the largest cub. of the group it's is the Eric, and he's the mama bear. Okay. <laughs> we Matt and I have a very good analogy. I don't know if you're aware of this. Oh, I'm sure you are. I hope you are. Okay. You are Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I am Anakin. Okay. We are three generations of bartenders. I, I love it. Which, which is the saddest thing, and I don't want to I don't want to make predictions for Occam's Razor, but it does appear as though in the coming years, uh, I don't know if it's going to be while we're open or while we're closed, but it, <laughs> I mean, it's looking like I'm going to cut Eric's fucking legs off and leave him to die <laughs> on the bank of a lava river. And we're not ready for that. We don't know what that's going to do to Occam's Razor, how that's going to affect business and stuff. But, I mean, it's, it's probably coming. Uh, but, again, I mean, eventually, <laughs> Eric will be the uh, Galactic Emperor. Yeah. Just, um, you know, that's it. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm laughing and nodding, but well, I don't know these references. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know Star Wars. I know Qui-Gon Jinn was... Um, Turn the fucking mic off. It was... Uh, Why was are it, you um, Oh what, God! Was it? Who is the Who's the guy that Qui Gon? No, no, don't tell me! Don't tell me! It was um, Colin Firth. <laughs> was it? Uh, Get up! Let Ralph, me out of this Ralph booth. Fiennes. Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. Let no, me it out was, of this um, booth. Oh, it was the the Taken dude. Right, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Oh God! So, I will stand proud with my hatred of Star Wars. And the Marvel Universe in general. Oh, yeah. Mic drop. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Well, editing so that here, out, here it goes the show. Matt and Eric are using coasters, and then we have our uh, Marvel hater and Star Wars hater who doesn't even use a coaster. That we're mistakenly calling <laughs> Qui-Gon, you disrespectful yes. cunt. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> because... I see this coaster over there that you threw, and then you stole my coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Any parting words, gentlemen? Other than, please come drink it, Occam's Razor. No, not even please come drink no. it, Occam's Razor. How can we, how can we help don't, you? Don't. How can we help you? You're not. I think that's, I think that's the thing. How, how can we help you? How can we make your experience better? What can we do to offer you an evening that you may not have expected? Uh, and thank you, Central Alberta for all of the support that you've given us since we decided to take on this crazy venture. Okay, so let's uh, end it on a, a little bit of a cheers. Yeah, 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 yeah
Yeah, 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 yeah.